0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your fabulous and amazing hosts, Dr. Greenfield.
1: And I'm rather worse for wear, Dr. Radness. (laughs) Your pyjamas look stunning. Why, thank you, thank you. (laughs) I aim to please whenever I have house guests.
0: (laughs) I love it. The purple... Yeah, and I've left the tertiary. <laughs> it's very regal, <laughs> which is interesting given that we're dealing with the end of the regal period. Or
1: are we? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like your pajamas might be signaling warning <laughs> that we're reaching the end of this. Yeah, I think I think I think we are. I think we are well and truly dealing with the end of the regal period. Finally. Finally. Yeah, exactly. We've been
0: looking at the history of Rome from the founding of the city. Yes. And we're finally at some sort of critical point in
1: the narrative. We're about to go from a period where we have virtually nothing but myths into a period where we have basically nothing at all.
0: (laughs) Wait for it, wait for it. We thought the stories were good here. Just wait till we get into the nothing zone of what happens in the next centuries. The Dark Ages.
1: (laughs) But before we get into the uh, cloud of obscurity... That's right, there are one or two (laughs) important things we need to clear up. (laughs) So basically, when we left Tatquinius was mad, bad, and dangerous to know. <laughs> and
0: also exiled
1: yeah, from Rome. Exactly.
0: Tarquinius Superbus, oh, you can't be a king
1: while you're in exile. Yeah, it's actually quite amazing how long he not only rules, but survives in exile, <laughs> according to our accounts. <laughs> hey, he just He's the man who refuses to die. Exactly, yeah. So in my version of things, which is Livy's version of things, Um, basically, Tarquinius has just found out that his grand cunning plan has not worked. That the conspiracy's failed, and that now the Senate are so mad at him for his deception that they've said, you know what, forget about your property. We were going to give it back and be nice, but just forget about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They basically have a garage sale where all the prices are zero. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, (laughs) Come and take whatever you like. Come down to Crazy we where all <laughs> land is gone, gone, gone. The forum
0: is full of stuff. We need the stuff gone, gone, gone. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, Taquinius Superbus uh, apparently not very happy. Not only is he in exile,
1: but now he's lost all of his stuff yeah. to the plebs. Now, you see, if I were him, I must admit, I think I'd feel like giving up. Look, I'd always have a backup plan. Yeah. Um, His backup plan is interesting and unexpected, in my in my eyes. Really? Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Prepare to be surprised, Yeah. <laughs> prepare to be surprised. Yeah, so basically he decides, okay, well, tricky's not going to work. Better call on war. And he goes around the cities of Aturia, Uh particularly the people of Vey. Interesting now, choice. Yeah, I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong, Doctor G, but haven't we talked about war between these people in Rome before? Uh, quite substantially, yeah, yes. exactly, yeah, uh, and also the Tarquinensians. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that well. correctly,
0: <laughs> but that makes more sense because at least they're that's from the family ancestry. Totally, yeah, that's the
1: whole keeping in the family mm. thing. I get that, <laughs> but yeah, they and yeah, basically. <laughs> He goes, you know, and says, look at what they've done to me. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, I'm in exile and I'm poor. It's just the worst thing that you could possibly do. And taquinenses <laughs> <laughs> I'm like your blood, man.
0: <laughs> Maybe you guys, you know, we could get together... And we could
1: take Rome
0: down. Yeah,
1: exactly. Now, you see, i if I were the people of A, I'd say, get lost. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but we hate you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, that is not the way that they behave. No, they actually seem to feel sorry for him, according to Libby. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to finally right all those wrongs. <laughs> we're going to join you and seek revenge on Rome. Yeah. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm not sure what to make of this besides
1: feeling like the sources at this point in time are entirely fabricated. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, again, taquinenses say, well, yes, you do share our name and our blood. And it seems like a fine thing for one of us to be king of Rome. So, yes, we shall join you. <laughs> That seems to make sense, to me. Make sense yeah. to me. That does make sense to me.
0: But, I, you know, I'm not surprised that the people of Ve never become more substantial than this tiny blip in the history of Italy because, frankly, <laughs> they don't know how to play their politics. They're
1: doormat. If I was on 30 Rock right now, I'd be saying, <laughs> deal breaker! <laughs> it's just... It's just so, oh, yeah. I mean, where thinking? is the strength of character? I know. Anyway. So, so anyway, Taquinius basically sets off and says, Ho I've got two armies behind me. And I love how, how the translation of Livy puts this. To regain his kingdom and to chastise the Romans. Naughty. Naughty <Not it>. Romans.
0: Don't you think you can get away with exiling
1: <laughs> this little, young fella? Get that You're purple right. out of storage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And so, uh, yeah, so Tarquinius gets some forces together and he seems to be planning this while his ambassadors are still in Rome trying to negotiate on his behalf and the conspiracy thing is going down. Yeah,
1: very, and, tricky.
0: very Yeah, tricky. the Romans hear about it and they're like, oh, and now the warfare is coming. I see, yeah. I see. <laughs> We
1: should have known. We should
0: have known. And yeah. they mobilise, yeah. rightly so. Um, and they set themselves up near the Tyrrhenians, which is where the Tarquinenses are. Uh, originate from. Right, yeah. And the first uh, engagement between the forces reveals that actually, despite the sort of recruiting that Superviser's gone about and done, the forces are about the same size.
1: That's convenient.
0: Yeah, and it's the classic sort of test and feel, who's got what numbers, and everybody retires, there's really no outcome, and everyone's like,
1: oh, alright. Yeah, except in, in my version of things, Basically, you've got uh, one of the consuls, Valerius, you may recall from our previous episode. He's basically in charge of the foot soldiers Mm in that part of the army. Brutus is in charge of the cavalry, and he basically goes ahead to sort of scout things out. Uh, And basically, while he's out, you know, having a little bit of a scoot about there, he happens to see his enemy... The son of the king. This one is Aarons, just in case you've been following the, the, the Tarquin sons with avid interest. We yeah. have mentioned him before. Yeah. Look, Sextus is around somewhere, but it's Aarons that yeah. Brutus runs into while he's sort of gallivanting. Yeah. And even though uh, Livy has all these you know, fine sayings, I basically see it as this sort of a thing it's you it's you
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting because this quite this actually deviates relatively substantially from Dionysius account. really
1: because yeah basically they just charged each other with absolute hatred and loathing <laughs> and, and basically um and and Livy's little aside which I can't help but feel is some sort of commentary on someone he's talking about (laughs) in in the present day, he says in those days, it was to a general's credit to take part in the actual fighting. Oh! (laughs) Nah! Augustus, whatever. (laughs) We'll get to those implications in many centuries' time. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so basically, they charge hatred, loathing, bitter animosity, and basically um, yeah, they're so furious with each other they kind of seem to impale (laughs) each other a little bit and uh, yeah, they fall dying from their horses. It sounds, Such is the glorious end of it Sounds bridges.
0: euphemistic when you put it like that.
1: <laughs> well, you know. A fine line between hatred and each <laughs> stabbed the other. Both were wounded. Yeah. So, uh, so where yeah. does that come in your narrative? Well, we have the
0: first engagement, right. according to Dionysius, of which the armies are just sort of test a feel and be yeah. like, "Yes, we're all soldiers." Yeah. Retire <laughs> for the evening. Very much equal. <laughs> Second yeah. engagement. Yes. Valerius is in command of the right wing, so right. he's opposite the population, the soldiers that come from Ve. And easy pickings i would yeah. say easy well, pickings you know yeah exactly <laughs> and the left of the forces are taken by brutus right. and he's opposite the Tarquinii uh-huh. who are under the command of the sons of superbus of course so both sextus yeah. and arens are there right anyway uh arens uh they're lined up for battle Aarons mm. is like a little bit you know cocky and he rides up <laughs> yeah. towards the Romans close enough so that they all recognize who he is. Right. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Royal family. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Brutus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at this. Look at, look at, look at, at the, the slender. Ro- look at the yeah. slender. Yeah. See my regal aspect. Exactly. Um, but just out of range <laughs> enough that nobody can do anything to him. Exactly, yeah. And he basically starts abusing Brutus. Uh. Uh, and I, I, I took the quote directly from the translation because I nice. kind of loved it. Yeah. Call, Brutus a wild beast huh. one stained with the blood of his sons Ooh. and reproaching him for cowardice Ooh. and cravenness and finally <laughs> challenging him to decide the general quarry uh, or the general quarry sorry, uh, the quarrel between them by fighting him in single combat. So he's like how about it? Yes. You're a coward uh, I think you've got the blood of your sons on your hands and yes. um, that would be really harsh, because this would you're, only have
1: really just happened. You're completely yeah.
0: uncivilised. Yeah.
1: How about you take me down like a man mm-hmm. and come See, over here? I was actually imagining something which I thought was quite harsh, but it's nothing compared to that. I was going <laughs> to say, like, hey, Brutus, remember the days when you we were stupid <laughs> We used to make no. fun? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> forgot about the fact that you could mock him with his son's death. <laughs> Duh. Doesn't <laughs> decide to go
0: down that path. Yeah. Decides to hit him where it really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Brutus is unable to resist this type of abuse. Of course he Classic is. soldier mistake. Yeah. With your armed forces... Don't get split up. Yeah. Don't just don't do it. If you have an army, you may as well use it. You're being it. taunted. Yeah. Just wait till everybody's on board and then charge. To yeah. Him. Exactly. You know, you could wipe the smile off his face <laughs> pretty quickly if you decided not just, to have yeah. single combat and, and just maybe just kill him. Kill him with yes. your excessive numbers because <laughs> he's outside of the comfort zone exactly. of his own forces at this point in time. No, <laughs> Brutus is incensed by this mm. and charges at Aaron's and is like, "I'll take you up on that." Yeah. Uh, they clash. They fatally wound each other. Right. Um, Tiny Dionysus does go into a whole bunch of description about this. One of them in the thigh, you know. And here, in, in any case, both of them are fatally wounded. Yeah. They fall off their horses. Right. They're lying on the ground. Much um, like Olivia, yeah. And everybody's like, on both sides, is like, oh, we need to fight now. And, <laughs> and they, and, yeah, and like, everybody goes crazy. And it's like a bloodbath. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Battle ensues. Okay,
1: yes. Well, see, yeah, my, mine is so much less illustrious than that, really, because not only does Brutus get killed off, like, immediately <laughs> in the first day of battle, but basically Libby kind of says, well, they'll kind of be equal, and, you know, there's people from Bay, they were used to being beaten. <laughs> Oh, so out. They were quickly dispatched. Um, <laughs> it's only really the other guys that put up any sort of fight, the uh, Um And basically, it was kind of even Stevens at the end of the day. Um, and yet, in spite of this, for some reason, during the night, they just panic. <laughs>
0: Oh no yeah. no! I've got
1: some good info on this. Okay, okay, yeah. Right, okay. Trust
0: our Greek source material here. Do you have a uh, prodigy?
1: Because I'm kind of feeling oh like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good, it. I'm, good. I've
0: highlighted it in my yeah. special religious color. Yeah, yeah. Well, Livy does go into
1: that, but so yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, we continue. have
0: this moment yeah. where. Um, yeah, the battle does appear to be relatively even. Right. Uh, Valerius' forces are victorious over the soldiers from Vey. Right. Not a problem. Chases them to their camp. Yeah. Uh, litters the ground with bodies, apparently. Of As course, you do. Of course. Um, <laughs> the Tyrenians, so those under the command of Titus and Sextus Tarquinius, so yeah. the other two sons, yeah. aside from Aarons, is yep. now dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, finally. <laughs> they force the Romans to flee in the end. Right. They pursue the Romans to their camp. Okay.
1: Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah.
0: the Roman camp is... Chock full of veterans, um, the Triarii, which is Roman tradition to do so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the battle at the camp is not a pushover <laughs> uh, uh, for, for the Tarquinii. Yeah, That's right. Um, <laughs> what with their veterans there defending it, yeah. and so they retreat for the night. Cool. So each okay. army retires at the end of the day. Yeah. The Romans are trying to decide what to do next. Yeah, and then they hear a voice in the grove, uh-huh. and they they speculate that it's either the fabled hero. Uh, Horatius mm. uh, or possibly the god Faunus nobody's quite sure yeah see in Livy it's
1: the voice of Silvanus yeah, no well, yeah, well
0: Silvanus would be yeah. more equivalent to Faunus yeah, yeah. Um, than the fabled hero yeah, yeah. Uh, Horatius uh, in any case the voice uh, commands the Romans to sort of retain their courage uh, and says that the enemies uh, their death count actually exceeds the Romans by one So, the idea. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, the whole premise of this story is that the armies are equal in size and that equalness is actually not an approximation but turns out to be an exact thing that's pretty because it turns out that one more of the enemy is dead than the romans and this needs to be capitalized upon yeah i have this- to admit <laughs> Livy is not that specific <laughs> this inspires valerius yeah uh, he attacks the tyranians
1: entrenchments in the night and takes their camp Okay, done yeah, we'll see. Done and done. Yeah, basically what happens is there's this prodigy, they hear the voice that tells them, Woo! the conquerors move? <laughs> <laughs> what? What does yeah. the voice say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it again,
0: fabled <laughs> Uh
1: And yeah, basically then they wake up and, you know, everyone's fled in a panic and they're like, woo! Sweet! Yeah, exactly, no more fighting. And that's when P- um, Publius hilarious um, gathers together all the spoils, of course, and returns in triumph and gives Brutus a magnificent funeral. Oh, yeah. yes. So it pretty much, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much how it ends, rather unspectacularly. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so we've actually lost Lucius Junius Brutus, the yeah. man who expels the kings of Rome. And how? And <laughs> how? Indeed. Yeah. And despite the fact, dear listeners, mm. uh, that Tarquinius Superbus is not dead yet i think this is an opportune moment to sort of take a a step back and maybe do a bit of a recap of what the regal period is what really has gone on what sense can we make of any of these narratives that we've come across i
1: can answer you in one sentence dr g Flint none. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah no 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 to be fair um there are lots of theories about what is what exactly is going on in this period. I mean, I think one of the most intriguing situa- um, situations I've heard suggested is that because so many of the people who are involved in the immediate aftermath of Superbus's exile are somehow connected to the Tarquin family... That there are these rumours of a palace coup. Oh and yes. that perhaps the whole thing with Brutus's sons and whatever, <laughs> that's just a continuation of that, you know, juggling of power. And basically, you know, yeah, okay, Superbus and his sons are gone, but some of the family still remain and they're left behind, sort of trying to, you know, fight for power. Basically fight for dominance. And that's what's really happening at this time. what the expulsion of the kings is just a convenient political mechanism for part of the family to get rid of the other part of the family exactly yeah yeah it's been suggested the problem is and this is the thing that we always have to come back to with this period there's like zero evidence for that It's, it's basically all of us just going okay let's fill in the gaps here we've got all these people who are somehow connected What is going on? Yeah, I mean,
0: Brutus is related to the Tarquinii. We can't get around that. So what is his motivating purpose
1: Mm. for really
0: getting rid of Superbus? Yeah. I mean, he's got a real grudge to bear. His father and his elder brother have been killed
1: by Superbus. Exactly. Is it just family factions?
0: Way to
1: carry a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, well.
0: Um, But he sort of makes a rod for his own back, because if he's interested in getting rid of them, but actually... Not necessarily eliminating the idea of
1: kingship. Yes. It doesn't really go that way. Well, yeah, and see, this is the other thing. It's very hard to really put things in a chronology that makes sense for this period because we've talked about, you know, the consulship. Mm. But it seems that we can't even say for certain that when this whole um, dynamic, I suppose, came about, that they were actually even called consuls. It seems that maybe they were called praetors mm. from the beginning, which. Ends up becoming sort of this, you know, one of the steps under consuls, you know, further down the line in the Republic. Yeah, and in fact, there might have been this office called Praetor Maximus. Now, did that actually mean anything? Did that mean that there was one, you know, Praetor slash consul that was slightly superior to the other? What is going on here? Ooh, yeah, and like, is there is there actually some sort of slower transition in which you go from kings to having some sort of maybe sole magistrate, and that's who the Praetor Maximus was, and then you get the consulship. Like, well, what's happening? This is interesting, because this yeah. plays
0: a little bit into the narrative of Servius Tullius, yes,
1: uh, yes.
0: who is the king prior to yes. Tarquinius Superbus. yeah, um, And the sorts of uh, ideas that surround him mm. is that he seems... Some of the narratives are disputed. So he gets identified as perhaps a usurper himself Mm. who may have killed his predecessor. So we have uh, Tarquinius Priscus who has that moment where he's like, Axed in the head, yeah, that was a memorable <laughs>
1: moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, axed in the head while he's, he's trying to
1: help these. While, shepherds. He's, try,
0: while <laughs> he's trying to help out these disputing shepherds,
1: yeah. Uh, and and Servius Tullius is the guy who he basically raises a son. And,
0: yeah. and Servius Tullius has this mythical, obscure background. Yes. Uh, so created from scratch, as you were, and yeah. he comes into this position of power because Priscus's wife argues in his. Favor. Yeah. I mean it's not it's not an interact situation really.
1: No, and and Roman women aren't known for playing this it's kind of role really. in politics. Well yeah. and if not they, Roman, but yeah, nonetheless. Well yeah. and if yeah. women
0: are playing this sort of role, it's interesting that it sort of laughs out in the narrative as well. Yeah. Like yeah. it's an odd thing to have there because it's not how the Romans like to do business. No, it isn't. They, they do not <laughs> like their women involved in public life. No, they do not. And if anything, <laughs> this could be taken as a sign that Servius Tullius is playing a really interesting and awkward political game. Mm. Um, so, he may have killed his predecessor. He
1: was the one with the axe <laughs> put in the head. <laughs> he may
0: he may have put the axe metaphorically <laughs> into the hands of those shepherds uh, rather than others. Um, so, he himself is seen as a breaker of tradition, if you like. Mm. So, despite the huge arguments that are going on yeah. in our sources... Uh, from Brutus about how much uh, Superbus is breaking with tradition and coming into power yeah. in a way that uh, stands outside of custom. Yeah, uh, He's not
1: the only one who has those
0: sorts of issues with his narrative. No,
1: and I mean, it, uh, another thing that I've, I've come across is uh last episode you talked about the Rex Sacra, sacraorum.
0: I yeah,
1: think I said that yeah. The yeah. The rex Yeah, the rex Um, which was basically this um, office to take care of the sort of religious ritual functions associated with the king. So that even though the monarchy might be over, these things, these rites are still being taken care of. Yeah, these yeah. rites and sacrifices need to remain. Yeah, and again, this—it's been suggested that perhaps what actually happened was that this office sort of took, you know, as part of this gradual transition from monarchy to republic. So basically, um, you have this situation where kings might have been stripped of their actual political power, but they had this sort of figurehead left in place for some time. So kind of like what we have, I suppose, with Queen Elizabeth II right now, where she's just a figurehead, she doesn't really have much political clout or involvement, you know. Well, yeah, her, yeah. I shouldn't say she doesn't have political clout. She doesn't have... <laughs> she, she doesn't, she doesn't have that really get actively whatever involved. Whatever government, I don't think so. But yeah, yeah, exactly. That they're not actively involved. And that perhaps this is where that idea sort of comes from, maybe. But again, where is the evidence for this? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know where the divisions really lie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, you do also have this... Um, I mean, Rome, as you shall see most memorably in a couple hundred years... Rome does also have this office of dictator. Yes. Yeah, someone who's supposed to come into soul power in times of emergency, Um. you know, preferably only for six months, you know. During... Help, help, it's emergency. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, is this something that dates back to this period, like another sort of soul power type thing? It feels yeah. like
0: my my feeling is, like, probably no. Yeah. Because... You've got this situation where the kings basically are doing that anyway, so you don't really need a role for that. Yeah, uh, true. and going from my pragmatic perspective, yeah, uh, where things are only really created when a need is revealed that yes. something isn't working properly. Yeah, that's what the dictator. Yeah, it's yeah. when the it's when the consulship starts to break down as a mechanism for taking care of an emergency that it makes sense to be like maybe we should. Have a limited time offer on a sole person in charge. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and and basically, uh, I mean, you you'll find that even though even though I think it is fairly well accepted because the sources are more or less in agreement that this this change happened um, before 500 BC, um, you will actually find people who will argue that this whole shift actually took place, you know, as late as sort of 450.
0: Yeah, well, our sources are writing much later, far later, uh, than the time period they're talking about. And even when we start to get the fragmentary source material um, that forms the basis of what they're using, that doesn't even come into play until, like, the 4th and 3rd centuries. Yeah. So we're about to enter into our really, like, fragmented dark zone of of materials. Um, Should be good for narrative. (laughs) And... And it's hard to know exactly
1: how much access the historians that we do have had to those sources. Yeah, I mean, so... yeah, definitely. They say certainly, as you as you guys have seen, they they do indicate, you know, from time to time, like with Brutus's sons. I mean, that whole conspiracy there—that seems like a kind of a big deal to me. And yet, the only names that they have for certain are these people that are involved with Brutus's family. Like,
0: yeah, you know, it'd be yeah. really interesting
1: to know who the other people were who were involved. And in And there that presumably are others.
0: Um, I guess the thing to take away from this that is that Romans are going through a process of defining their own identity mm. through writing history. Yeah. Um, whether that be through somebody like Livy, who is clearly Roman, or somebody <laughs> like Dionysius of Halicarnassus, who takes an interest mm. in Roman history and wants to relay it to the Greeks. Yeah. Um, they're filtering their ideas through the way in which Romans want to read their own past. Yeah. And.
1: They're and they want of, to have
0: clear lines. Yeah. They, they want to make it really clear that there's a reason
1: why they don't have kings. Yes. And they've got to establish a narrative for that. Oh, boy, is there. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's face it, by the time Livy's writing, I mean, this is post-Caesar's, you know, little little spree with dictatorship and <laughs> stabby, stabby. Incident. Yeah, there is a real
0: need to reinforce why these things
1: shouldn't happen. Yeah, and it, I mean, as soon as it seems kind of odd that it's under you know, someone who's arguably the first emperor, you know, all Prince if you want to be technical. Of Rome, I do, I want to is, be technical. Yeah, Livy is writing under Augustus, you know, the successor of Julius Caesar, the man who sort of brings back, you know, the sole male rule. Yeah, him.
0: we can't just dis- divorce these sources and, from their own context in which yeah. they're writing. And they're writing in the last century of the Republic yeah. and the transition into the Principate. And that makes it very hard to be able to assess the worth of any of the stories yeah. that they're telling us because they're very much coloured, one, by their own ideas about what this history means and for the Romans in the time that they're writing. Yes. Um, but also there's, like, the cultural aspect as well. Like mm. Dionysius of Halicarnassus really... Paints Superbus as a Greek tyrant. Yes, yeah, and the whole framing device in the way that characters are represented plays nicely into the philosophies of the time period as well. Yeah, Um, Dionysius is not the only one making an argument for the value of expediency versus the value of what is just. Mm. Um, These are the sort of concepts that are coming into play in Cicero's writings as well. Yeah, Um, so there are a lot of discussions. Going on about what are the right sorts of behaviours? How can we make, establish the grounds for behaviour?
1: And you've got to think it's also—it's also kind of um, explaining how their world is the way it is. You yeah. Know? I mean, as we've looked at—and um, when you don't have the internet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or many you know, books, books. and stuff. Yeah, you know. Books and stuff. Just like you just got <laughs> scrolls and it's just annoying. <laughs> or you talk to people who know stories that yeah. people told them, but people who also told stories. <laughs> exactly, yeah. When that's what you have access to, I mean, what they've done is actually, I think, amazing. I mean, I struggle and I have access to the internet and, you know, international shipping of any books that I want. <laughs> and, yeah, it's amazing what, what we have access to. So we can't judge them too harshly. But, yeah. You you have to sort of look back and say, okay, so is that actually how long so-and-so held power for? Or is that just a way of explaining how long the consuls held power for? Or, you know, whatever. You have to sort of say this is a way of sort of explaining the world around them. And also explaining, you know, Livy's writing at a pretty high point in Rome's career. Is this a way of explaining or, you know, telling people how Rome came to be such a power, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a self-confirming
0: narrative. Yeah. Like, how did Rome come to be the power that it is? Yes, um, I
1: believe, and therefore I am. <laughs> yeah, they had a lots of wars, yeah. you know, um, and <laughs> over and over again, apparently. Because, yeah, Rome, you know, Rome is still, even though, yes, we're at the, you know, the birth of the Republic or whatever, Rome is still nowhere near the predominant <laughs> power no yeah. and
0: i think that's what's interesting about these narratives as well is
1: they actually acknowledge that yes. quite well yeah um, but considering how much ass they seem to kick <laughs> particularly in like livy's version of things you would kind of feel like they've made some headway and sometimes i wonder you know how much headway have they actually nah, made? <laughs> nah. is it more just that they've managed to you know keep the wolf from the door and keep their own and it's you know.
0: also, like, a, a handbook for what not to do when yes. you're in power as yeah. well. A lot of this is covert advice, you would you would totally. imagine. Yeah, um, Moral messages, people, moral <laughs> messages. <laughs> Please, read this, and don't be a tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: have you considered? <laughs> no rapey-rapey and rapey, no purgy-purgy of the Senate. <laughs> Maybe don't slaughter your own sons. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you, slaves for your building constructions, goddammit. Don't race good Roman citizens on <laughs> building works. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, I hope that helps maybe uh, sum up a little bit the fact that we don't really know anything.
0: As, yeah, as much
1: detail as we've provided you since the founding of the city. Yeah. Uh, actually, we know very little at all. Yeah. Uh, I guess the... I, for me, Dr. G, I'm going to sum up my, my key message here. Oh, please do. Yeah. Okay. I think the thing to take away from these histories, um, apart from the great stories and the myths and that sort of thing, is that you have to think of these sorts of histories, I think, as revealing almost more about the period that they're written in than the period they're writing about.
0: Well, Yes. I um, will agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, the Romans do obviously have a history. Yeah, yeah. How of much course. of that yeah. history is what's in our sources? Yeah. I think is totally up for dispute. Yeah. And we get to the point where some of these figures, like anchors and markers mm. and things like this, when just nobody even sure that they actually live. Yeah. Um, but
1: this are still important, though. They still... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And the idea that you might have somebody... Uh, be a king and to dedicate buildings and to have yeah. those that physical evidence present and that being not enough to establish your historicity <laughs> as a person um, is incredible. Uh, and yet that's the sort of thing that we face with this regal period yeah. in, in Rome's history. And partly to do with the survival of records, the, the continuation of the writing isn't there. So we yeah. don't have, from our perspective, the preservation of evidence is such that we just don't have that certainty. Yeah,
1: and one of the one of the um, accounts that I've read by a modern historian I think has a good message to sort of take away in that, okay, yes, there are all these possibilities, which are plausible given the evidence that we have, but essentially it still all comes down to just guesswork. And the fact is that... This is why
0: I love history. Yeah, exactly.
1: And the fact is that, you know, sitting where we are right now, what right do we have to be super critical and and judgmental about these authors because presumably okay yeah they might be running a couple hundred years after the event and yes the stories might sound quite mythical but surely they know more about it than we do
0: well perhaps i mean part of this is to do with the way that we frame how we think about history yeah and what is it and history operates by and large from the idea that that on some level, there is an objective, actual past that happened.
1: Unless you're a postmodernist, <laughs> well, in which case, there's nothing. Danger. Just history. Danger. Yeah. <laughs> I flirted with postmodernism,
0: and it really doesn't help with history, um, <laughs> or at least not the sort of history that we do. No, um, but that there is like some sort of finite, actual reality that occurred. There is yeah. a real past. Yes. Um, and the that question is reachable. <laughs> yeah, and then the, and then the question becomes: Well, how? How can we judge the accuracy of the representations of that past? Yeah. So we're always holding the sources up to a standard which we really
1: actually can't get to. No, especially um, since considering that, you know, particularly Rome itself, it's still a living, breathing city, you know, and how, how can we possibly, you know, if we want to marry up the historical records with the archaeological records, it, it's very tricky.
0: It is, you know? and when it comes down to it, even if there is let's say, an objective, actual past that yeah. did occur, Yeah, um, any person's perspective on that past is going to be different anyway. True. Um, no so- one
1: eats a piece of cake the same way. <laughs> <laughs> mm, wise words. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Adnus Wise. I bow before you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you and Dad. Stun you with my brilliance. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I feel like that sums it up nicely. <laughs> and before you have your cake and eat it too, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we'll, <laughs> we'll end right there. Um, Fair enough. And come back next time to consider what's going on in the, in the post- or the the very sort of last sputterings of what might be a yes, regal we've, period. We've saved
1: some good myths for next <laughs> time, <month, laughs> in case you were wondering. Indeed. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you shared our page on Facebook, tweeted us on Twitter, or wrote a review on iTunes. Oh yes, yes we're in so many places these days. We are so, so modern. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
0: Farewell. <laughs>